Atlas. Welcome to episode 39 of the Atlas podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. Uh, my name is Ja'Kai Mickelson, George Michael, and Carrie Fisher Mourner. Yeah. It, it's been a rough week. Uh, well, it's kind of consistent with the theme of the year, to be honest with it you. It is. Like, 2016 is. is just like, okay. Like, it's like you almost just want to get to 2017 so that this one can end. And maybe everybody's doing us a favor. Like, maybe Carrie Fisher was like, all right, you know, I should clock out now so, like, it doesn't bleed into 2017. Maybe. I'm hoping 2017 is going to be better. I really am. Because it's, um, of course, we're recording this on a a Tuesday. And I was uh, downstairs uh, where I live eating lunch uh, just about two hours ago when I heard the news about Carrie Fisher. And then was in a bookstore directly after that in which they were playing this Star Wars theme song. And I was just like, oh, I need to go be alone right now. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it totally hit me hard. I mean, Carrie Fisher is a kooky, crazy lady, but mm-hmm. uh, she was always authentically herself, which I thought was part of her fun. I was always intrigued. Well, she's going to do something crazy because she's kooky, but but she would never try to pretend like she wasn't that, which right. I think deserves a, a lot of kudos. And what's ironic, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but last night we finally saw, I finally saw, uh, you know, Rogue One, you know, and, mm. and the way the movie ends. I mean, spoiler alert, that, that movie should have been called Rogue Everyone Dies. But, you know, <laughs> it's a fun time. It's a fun movie. It was. It was a good movie. And not not everyone dies because there, there are a few cameos of, of people that that are in, in other movies. You know, one of the worst parts about uh, this movie is they actually acknowledge the the new trilogy as part of the story when uh, what's his name Smiths showed up I was like oh I guess I guess I can't deny episodes one through three now they actually <laughs> happened anyways uh, I, I digress I still but yeah. feel like you can yeah. you can deny that still That's I'm true. still denying nice, it <laughs> nice nice way to be strong but yeah it's a, it's a super bummer and then like you know and recently I watched Keanu where George Michael doesn't play a role but he's a big part of it you know he is yeah, yeah. So uh, I was a big fan of George Michael all the way back to Wham, all the way back to the early days of MTV. So uh, yeah, it's uh, just one. I don't know. It, let's see. It is the twenty seventh. There's still plenty of time for other icons to fall. I don't know. I hope not. They they say that, you know there's that that saying that it always happens in threes. And you know when George Michael passed, I was like, okay, well that's kind of our our third one in this this latest group. And and so now we have. A fourth or a new group. I don't know. I don't know what to think. My mind is so just like... <laughs> I know. So many new groups keep forming. You know? I know. Yeah. Uh. No, it's been, uh, it's been a hell of a run, but it's okay because, oh boy, I'm going to... I'll just cross the threshold for one brief moment. Our president-elect is tweeting about uh, nuclear war, which is... We're f- <laughs> everything is... 2017 is shaping up to be magical. It's going to be great. <laughs> I like how it's kind of like the new beginning and the light at the end of the tunnel that we're all hoping for, but you know, I I worry that it's going to be much much worse than I, 2016. No, isn't that horrible? I'm just like, oh well, finally we're to 2017, and then I never want to be in that situation. I'm like, gosh, remember the good old days of 2016? Yeah, yeah, that's such a horrible thought. And I really hope I was talking to a good friend of mine about this, and like when I was in high school and stuff, you know. Uh, I can't remember if there's a term for it. And he's like a very smart book read guy. He's a guy that reads, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, those guys. Yeah, those guys. And he was saying like, well, it, ah, dang it. I wish I remembered what it was called. But it was like, there's a certain age you get to where suddenly fear strikes you in a different level of fear. 
where right. maybe if I was in high school, like Donald Trump would still be this hilarious idea of a wig and it wouldn't really, I wouldn't have any fear of it because it wouldn't affect me directly. But because of my age group and I don't know, history, I find myself super afraid of the situation. But again, I'm naive and dumb because I don't know what really happens behind closed doors. But it's, uh, it is scary when the president elect is tweeting. And uh, Mandy used to work for Deepak Chopra, who's like this big, like, peace guy, you know. And when he's mm-hmm. tweeting the president-elect, like, hey, man, you know, that's maybe not a thing to tweet about because, you know, harmony. And it's just like, first of all, like, tweeting should not be the the <laughs> the platform for this kind of stuff. But I guess it's the world no. we live in. Yeah. Tweeting. Yeah. 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 I really, I really hope that at some point he has advisors that come into play that just take him off of Twitter or like, just like lock him out of his Twitter account or something because like that man in Twitter, it, he needs to get it under control. Well, it's weird though. Cause everywhere else, that guy is just the epitome of restraint and class. It seems to be only <laughs> Twitter where he boils over and just can't be controlled and harnessed. Oh, hopefully that was true. Yeah, I know. Oh, boy. Anyways, dude, we are an entertainment blog, but all of our icons are dying. Sorry, listeners. We don't know what else to do about it. Yeah. So, anyways, so hopefully there isn't a third. Uh, whenever I see something about, like, Mel Brooks or something, like, trending, I'm, like, always, like, oh, no. Okay, phew. Or, you know, like, I'm, I, like th- that's happening, like, eight times this year where some certain name will be trending. And I'm, like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I've started to have that same kind of reaction, especially um, the other day. Um, George R. R. Martin tweeted this thing in January of this year. He said, like, 2016 is written by me. And then he kind of retweeted it a couple of days ago and then said, I'm, I'm sorry. And so, like, this was trending on, on, tri- on Twitter and Facebook. And I was like, oh, my God. I saw his name and I was like, George R. R. Martin's dead. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that was literally my reaction when I saw it. And I was like, oh, thank God. It's just something that he, yeah. he had tweeted and he's yeah. actually fine. But Everything's okay. Um, yeah, it is. It is something when you see, um, especially someone who is old and notoriously in bad, bad health. Um, when you see that, it's kind of a, a double whammy when you when you think about what it what it could be trending for. But anyways, moving on to happier, happier talks, because this is the holiday season. It is the holiday season. Everybody hug a, lo- hug a loved one before they die, before they die in front of you. That's our advice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Christmas happened. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of, yeah. A couple of days ago. Would you, uh, would you, did you do anything fun? Um, I went down and visited my parents in Peachtree City, and we had a nice little lunch and uh, hung out around the house. We actually watched E.T., which was which was fun, <laughs> and uh, just had a, a nice little low-key holiday. So it was, and then I came back home Christmas night and pulled out my computer and worked <laughs> because I don't know how to not work. <laughs> so it was the first half of the day was was really nice, and the second half of the day. There was an understanding that I have a problem that I need to get under control. <laughs> um, Fair so. Well, step one is admitting that you have a problem. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like step two is probably going to happen because I don't foresee myself doing anything about this. But I do recognize that I have a problem. Still, that's something. It's like this it is, is this is my pet. It's a problem. But <laughs> this pet joins me wherever I go, even on Christmas night, and that's fair. That's fair. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
How about you guys? Uh, you guys have a, a good Christmas? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. My brother and his girlfriend are in town, so it's been fantastic to have them here. And, uh, you know, meeting and hanging out with Zach. It's been his first Christmas, and had a few small-time get-togethers. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, my liver... Maybe the liver is going to be the third. My liver is going to be the thing to round out the trifecta. Maybe, maybe it'll be the third. And I just, put, I think I just put my liver indirectly at the same level as Carrie Fisher and George Michael, which may be, <laughs> which may be a little premature. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a good time. But there's been many uh, celebrations. Maybe maybe too much in a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I was joking earlier today that today is uh, day two of my cleanse <laughs> because I'm I'm drinking nothing but like water and and coffee. Um, yeah, the holidays is rough between like all of the, the parties and the get togethers and seeing old friends. Yeah. It's just so much food and booze and you just, you can feel it kind of take a toll on you. Yeah. I love it. Like we're having this conversation. I'm like, yeah, it's really bad. Meanwhile, like in front of me is a Bloody Mary. So I'm part of the problem. It just keeps, <laughs> it just keeps rolling into the next day. You know, but I'm like, oh, you know, there's ice in the Bloody Mary. So it's like I'm drinking water. It's fine. I mean, it's it's got some water in it, yeah. so that that counts. So yeah. Tomato juice is very healthy. It's a superfood. I don't even know. <laughs> Making it up. I don't know. But yeah, it's 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 actually been it's actually been a really nice Christmas. It's been really cool to like. I don't know. To family, it's the first time to family it up when uh, yeah. when I'm not like the participant. I'm kind of the family. It's weird, but it's fun. So, uh, how did the little guy like it? Did he have a, a favorite present or? Kind of a, a favorite moment that you guys had with him? I, I don't know if he's had a favorite moment, but he's really enjoyed. Oh, I will tell you this. Uh, my, you know, my brother plays guitar and mm-hmm. uh, was uh, serenading him with uh, some Tom Petty. Uh, but, uh, you know, my dad kind of dinks around on the guitar, so he kind of serenades. But Sam, my brother Sam, can actually play, play, like for real and sings. And that's actually how he makes his living down in San Diego. So it was like a, oh. it, was a it was a step up of of delightfulness. And Zach's was kind of mid-anger. And then Sam started serenading and... Zach's was all about it, which was kind of fun to see. So Aww. that's that's kind of a fun highlight, yeah. So I'm just like, all right, Zach's can totally be in music because whenever you set him in front of the piano, he like punches the hell out of the keys, which is kind of fun. And I'm like, that's <laughs> fine. He can he can musician it up, but I'm gonna, I want to give him all kinds of business classes too, so he understands how to market himself as a musician. That's Aww. yeah, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Zach Zach likes music, so that was that was fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a nice little Christmas and first Christmas for him. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the first Christmas in the house, first Christmas for him. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been, very, it's also the first Christmas that Sam's girlfriend has spent away from her family, which. Oh, it's getting serious. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And I will tell you this this is, uh, we went to my friend Omar's house where we were staying in Stockbridge, um, who's also the, uh, uh, the subject of the documentary I worked on. To, we thought we were going there for like a big Christmas Day kind of barbecue food gathering thing, right? That's what Omar presented it as. And we get there, there's no food, nothing. And all of us were starving. So it got, it got a little weird because I'm like, all of us were kind of looking at each other like, okay, so what the hell do we do now? There's no food and it's Christmas. So we stayed there for a while and ended up eating a delightful meal at a Persian restaurant in Buckhead. And the name of it escapes me now. But so anyways, we had an adventure. We were like, Hannah has never been away from her family for Christmas and we tried to starve her to death. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> well, at least she's got fun memories to go home with. Yeah, she's already got a good story, which she loves. So there you go. Uh, but you saw Rogue One 
we did here recently. We did. So yeah. you helped contribute to the the box office results this holiday weekend. I did, and I forgot to see La La Land both before and after it. I apologize for that. You failed me, Jakai. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, well, it's all right. La La Land is still doing fantastic, um, despite the fact that it's only, I think it's at like 800 theaters now. Yeah. Um, so still not playing in, in super wide release, uh, but it, it's still doing really, really well. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. Rogue One, of course, came in first again this weekend in its second week of release. It brought in $64.3 million and followed... Uh, it was followed by Sing, which was in second place with $35.2 million. And Passengers, which we reviewed on the podcast last week, did not give it a very favorable review. No. And it did not perform very well at the box office. I, yeah, I thought it would do slightly better than that, but yeah, nope. Yeah, $14.8 um, In case you're wondering, it took $110 million to make. That was the production budget for it. So... Um, so yeah, and it looks like total gross is uh 22.1 to date. So it's it's got a little ways to go. Definitely underperforming what I'm sure the the studios expected with having both uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence in it. Um coming in at fourth, another movie that I had actually said was one of the worst films of the year and many critics have agreed with me including our our biggest fan Mike McKenney. Um, I believe he rated this the worst film of the year. Why him? Uh, with James Franco and Brian Cranston, it came in fourth with eleven million, and that one had a production budget of thirty-eight million to make. Oh wow! Um, which is still that's probably going to eventually eventually break even. That'll even out. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but God, it's such a terrible movie. <laughs> don't don't go see it. Just please. <laughs> Please don't go see it. Um, also opening this week was Assassin's Creed, which came in fifth with $10.2 million. This one definitely didn't do well. No. It had a production, production budget of $125 million. Um, You know what? The reviews were not favorable for this one either. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that it didn't do well. Um, although, you know, whenever you see a movie, especially one that's a, a bigger bigger budget that's being held for the end of the year, there is that kind of part of you that thinks, oh, well, maybe they're they're wanting it to be eligible for the award season, and that's why, you know, the release date is what it is. Um, Assassin's Creed looks like it probably should have been a January release, and it might have done a lot better had ah, it been. Held off, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's not going to be great things coming out over the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll see some of the, the award contenders going into wider release. Um, but aside from that, you know, January is notorious for just being a a, a bad movie month. Um, <laughs> but coming in six, Moana, because I can say it right now, yeah. <laughs> um, well in its done. fifth week of release, it brought in an additional $7 million. Uh, so up to date, it's grossed 180 million, and uh, we don't have a production budget uh, note on that one, but it's doing pretty well. And of course, La La Land came in eighth this week with 5.7 million, and again, it's not in 
It's not in very many theaters. I think it's in about 800 across the country. So it's it's performing really well considering that. And it is so good. Every person I know that has been to see it has fallen in love with it. And I challenge someone to go see it. And if they don't like it, let's have a conversation. I, <laughs> because I'm going to punch you with it. Um, so here's a, here's a big question for you. I just wonder, if like, uh, which is going to finish ahead when it's all said and done at the box office? La La Land? Or Boo, a Medea Halloween. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, you know what? Hold on. Let's let's look up <laughs> what what a Medea Halloween is at because you know I was I was looking at this when I printed out the um, the standings for this weekend and I specifically looked to see where it was at because it had done so well. Um, hold on. Let's see where it's at. Oh, is it not going to give it to me now? That's only on 37. Hold on, wait. I can still find this. I believe in you. I believe in me, too. Let's let's <laughs> see. Let's do this one. Um, they've started cutting it off. Why? Well, it's not in the top 37 films. I find it interesting that they cut it off at 37. Yeah, that, is a, that is a weird name. 40. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be the eternal optimist hopeful person mm. that I am and say La La Land. Mm. It's only made 13 million to date. It has a 30 million budget, but I think as this continues to go into wider and wider release and it starts to get closer to award season, I think that it's going to be... I, I may be wrong again. <laughs> well, it could be this year's Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Shawshank bombed horrendously got nominated for an Oscar, and then went on to be one of the most beloved films of all time. So maybe maybe that's what's in store for La La Land. And to be fair, La La Land, to your point, is not bombing. It's just had a limited release thus far. Right. So. It's actually performing incredibly well, considering how many theaters it's in. It's broken a number of records um, for that, which we've talked about yes. a little bit on the last yes. few weeks. I do think, as far as cinematic quality, La La Land is going to become one of the classics and probably one of the the best movies of of this era whereas i don't think a medea halloween will make that list i don't know so. i don't know you <laughs> seem a little overconfident emma Loggins. <laughs> well you should go see la la land Jakai. i should i need to see it because you know actually circling back to star wars i would give that an atle an atle i would give that a three out of five really yeah i uh, i didn't totally love it. You know why? It's because I felt like there was like, this This might be a counterintuitive thing to say about it, but I felt like it was like a little bit too much realism, terrorist, war zone feel for a Star Wars movie. It, it like felt too gritty and real, which I, I don't know why. I'm like, I kind of like Star Wars when it was almost like a more like anything can happen kind of land. I don't know. I wasn't really, there was some cool stuff into it, in it, but I was like, ah. And also, holy crap, that archival system seemed a bit over-the-top complex just to pull yeah. the file, you know? And, which is yeah. fun. And I will admit, when Darth Vader had his little ass-kicking moment, I was like, all right, that's all they needed to do in any of the first three films, and it would have been awesome. So it was super fun to see Darth Vader, like, just absolute kick ass with the Force. That was yeah. amazing. And the fact that it was James Earl Jones, it's great. But, uh, yeah, overall, uh, I, I don't know. I was like, it was good. It's weird. I don't regret seeing it at all. But uh, it didn't have, like, the fun and the spunk that I like in Star Wars movies. 
That's fair. I I mean, I definitely liked Force Awakens more, which is funny because I've heard the people that didn't like Force Awakens loved Rogue One. Right. At least in in my friend circle, that's been how it's how it's kind of played out. And um and people that there's no really kind of in between. You either you either really like Rogue One and you're like eh about it. Um so it's been kind of interesting to see, you know, giant giant fans of of Star Wars be like eh about it. Well, I again, I liked it. I liked it, but it, I would never go full Atlas on it. Yeah, like it was solid. I was happy I saw it, but and there was a few parts that I was into. Like uh, there was a few cameos by like the two guys, you know, that's in Episode Four. Like I don't like you either, you know, testicle chin. <laughs> I don't know their names, but uh, their little cameo <laughs> yeah. in the street was fun. There, it was there was some, there were some nice nods that didn't feel forced to me, which I really appreciated. So, right. anyways, not to we're we're re-reviewing a film we already reviewed, which is not. <laughs> it's still relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. relevant. Um. So yeah, that's our our box office report for the weekend, uh, and for the week. So yeah, hopefully that helps you make some decisions about what to go see over New Year's weekend. And if you can't which, read between the lines, listeners, that would be La La Land. It would see be La La Land. La La Four Land. times. Yes. Four times. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're going to take off Friday, then you've got Saturday, Sunday, and Monday is when you're observing yeah. New Year's. So four right. times, yeah, and yeah. you know, it, totally reasonable. In fact, skip a few meals and just go see this film. <laughs> yes, that's the best advice that we can really offer. Right. Um, but speaking of films that one should see, I finally saw one. Oh, uh, that I should have seen. <laughs> so <laughs> you are, of course, speaking of Angus Palooza. Yes. That happened here in our home with actually the famed Mike McKinney, whose uh, whose quote is featured on the back of what film now? What film? Lawrence Foster Jenkins. That's the one. Are you? Are you? We're saying the title right though, right? Where it's not like yes. It's not. No, like, I've not butchered it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> no, but that's that's super exciting. He's of course uh, another uh, uh, reviewer here in the Atlanta area. Uh, film review guy. He sees. I can't remember what his number is, but it's a. He's. It's a. It's a lot of movies. This guy loves movies. And he watches them all the way to the end. And was his quote, one of his film review quotes, is featured right on the back of the DVD for a Mel Streep film. That's a pretty big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. It's like right next to her face on the back, too. I had him sign the DVD case. And then the the, sli- the, the, the little like case thing that it comes in. And then the DVD. And then the Blu-ray DVD. And then the, the sheet of paper that was the digital download <laughs> copy with the code on it. I had him sign everything. And then I've got a little like kind of shrine set up for it on top of my TV. <laughs> I just, I'm so happy for him. It's, yeah. it's so, so cool yeah. that... Uh, that they picked this quote and it's it's on there and what's even cooler um paramount actually did a full poster printout of the back of the dvd case and sent it to him so he's got that framed and up on his wall now which is pretty freaking awesome yeah that's pretty sweet i was, I was very happy for him because he came in i thought when he when you guys got here i thought he was bringing angus i'm like oh nice of you to bring the film and, and you said no you gotta wait for the big reveal i'm like what the hell movie is this and then <laughs> oh that's super fun super cool so anyways to circle it back, I mean, like, whatever, career milestone for Mike, blah, blah, blah. We're here to talk about Angus. <laughs> um, the classic yeah, that is Angus. That for those of you who haven't listened to the episode, like, I, somehow this became a thing because Emma was a James Vanderbeek fan. Yes. For uh, Dawson's Creek. and I think that was why. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, right? That's why. That's how. Yeah. You f- no, I, yeah. I. I mean, I definitely was. I. I felt like maybe I was talking about the memes or something, the James Vanderbeek memes, where it's like, um, I reply. I started replying to everyone just in those little. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've forgotten how it originally came up because it was so long ago, and then I just <laughs> never watched the movie until this past week. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a little. And here's what was fun about it is it's like Angus was a gem that I really liked. It was made in like 1995. It's like high school movie, and uh, we talked about it a few times on the show. And Mike, being who he is, which is like a researcher extraordinaire, um, happened to I don't even remember what the article was, but it was an article that said underrated gems from way back, and Angus happened to be a featured film, and then he shared that with Emma. And on Twitter where it was finally like I think that's what made Emma realize all right <laughs> got to see this movie so well, now I'm I'm sad because now we've seen it and now we need a new thing that we can like <laughs> hold over one of our heads about something we've not seen because uh, well, it was kind yeah. of an ongoing bit that we yeah, had yeah well I think the best way to seal up an ongoing bit is to actually because we go live in the room after we watch the film I broke out the H4N recorder uh, so we could do in the room, and Mike McKinney is a guest on this. This should be just be called the honorary Mike McKinney episode, um, and uh, to help us review Angus, uh, and this is in real time, and should admit uh, that uh, there may have been a little, just a slight amount of alcohol involved before this was oh, recorded. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. Yeah. Um, so with that, I guess we just roll the tape. Let's do it. I just call it tape. What year is this? <laughs> Okay, so we're live in the room right now. <laughs> post Angus. Post, post Angus. We're live in the room, post Angus right now. I'm here, uh, this is your guy Mickelson, and I'm here also with... Emma And, uh... Mike McKinney. Mike McKinney, who, by the way, is our fact checker. And there's, uh, no other people in the room, am I to understand? There's nothing to see here. Yeah. Yeah. So there's only three of us. There's only three. Only three out of five people are here. So we just finished watching Angus, which is a film that I've been holding over Emma's head for a thousand years, mainly because of Dawson, James Vanderbeek. I'm still trying to remember how this came up initially, and I think it was when I told you that I used, like, his, like, animated, like... The, the thing, like, yeah. his emotions as, like, responses to Yes. Things. Somehow that came up. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then you'd never even heard of this film. I had not. Which is somehow I took personally. You did. And then <laughs> it turned into, like, not a thing that I let go of, which is weird, because I'm usually not one to hold a grudge. But I like, I don't know what we're going to do after this, honestly, because once this is gone... <laughs> like, all, I'm gonna have to find something to hold over your it's head. It's all over. Yeah, yeah, it's all over. I have not watched any Gilmore Girls still to this day. All right. Well, that's a little bit more of a time. That's a little bit more of a commitment. So, I, so I would say that. All right. We just we just finished a film. We're we're actually only in the credits. We press pause. We're the second assistant directors, who I'm sure Mike knows both of these people's scope of work. Oh yeah. So this is vast vast array of, of movies. <laughs> Although, I will say that the producer of this film, Dawn Steele, is a legendary producer. Um, she was a groundbreaking female producer that um, worked very closely with Sandra Bullock and some other people and actually rose to pretty high up in the Paramount chain for a while. Um, unfortunately, she's dead, but she did write a great book um, about uh, women working in the industry and how they need to all work together. So. It's just a little fact. A little fun fact. And Sandra Bullock, of course, known best for her work in Speed 2, Cruise Control. 
I was literally just about to be like, did she work on Speed 2? What's Vanderbilt? Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the line that she says? Um, something about it. Let's go on the big boat or something. I don't know, remember. There's something along the lines. I don't know any of the dialogue, but I remember in the first film it was 80 miles per hour. And she was also in Demolition Man, which, you know, fun film. Uh, so, so, so that's where we are. And we've learned that there was a legendary producer behind this film. And also the red-headed, freckled kid who showed up in films such as, uh, he was in American Pie, right? And in other films. And he was in, um, uh, an underrated gem, I would say, which is The Mist, Frank Darabont, who went on to create a little show called The Walking Dead. Um, of course, he was pushed out of it after the so first season. And some stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank and The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, you know, Kathy Bates, who I feel like is actually a very good actress, and George C. Scott was in this film, and the Jurassic Park lady, who I confused. Who has not done, she did one film in 2013 and had not done anything before that since 1999, so I think she may be retired. She clocked out. And this she was, clocked out. And this was George C. Scott's last film. It was? Yeah. I thought it was one of his last. I didn't know it was his last. Yeah. Huh. Well, and to be fair, I feel like, you know, because I think uh, from a cliche perspective, if you're an older actor, you don't want to be a grandpa, right? But somehow I feel like this was a slightly, I feel like this was a good grandpa role. It was, it was. It was against type. So I feel like almost we should just like jump into an official Atlas review. Let's do an official review. Okay. So, um, uh, how would you like to uh, walk us through this? Actually, you know what? No, we're going to, listen. I have no idea what's going on. Here's what I will tell you: <laughs> is my dog hated Mike at first. Now they're best friends. Someone which, is asleep on Mike's lap yes, right now. <laughs> which is exactly what I predicted. So, uh, and I feel like she's pretty into the back rub she's getting right now. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's just jump right in. So, so from a um, uh, boredom gauge perspective, one to five, five being the worst, and everybody gets to participate, including Mike and the other two people who aren't in the room right now. Um, how uh, how bored were you watching this film? I was not bored at all. The thing I love about these kind of movies is they're so nostalgic. It's not. It doesn't quite feel like a John Hughes movie, but it it there's there's some moments there in which it's very reminiscent of that. Hmm. And I love those types of movies, so I was never bored. You didn't give a number value. Zero. Ooh. I'll give you a zero. Gave a zero. Mike. I'll give it a one. Um, what I really enjoyed about this film was the soundtrack. It was a, yes. really captured the early 90s. Um, it did. I mean, Green Day's in it. Uh, I mean, it's just the soundtrack is what made this film for me. Well, I, I'm, of course, going to give it a zero. I better give it a zero, given all the talk I've I given know. it. This is your favorite movie of all time. It's, it's not, it's not <laughs> but I, I don't know. Even, like, I have not watched it for so long, and tonight there were some times where I was like, oh, it's so good, but I don't know if it's because I happened to catch it at the right time in my own life, but the opening credits when, like, the band is playing and they're all going around the thing, I'm like, it's so good. It's so powerful, so I will also give it a zero. Now, from an eye-rolling perspective... Uh, where do we where do we go there, Emma? Eye rolling, one to five, five being I'm really rolling my eyes a lot. Which, by the way, passengers got a full five, full five. <laughs> I did get passengers a full five. Yeah. Um, for eye rolling, um, I'm gonna give this a one just because I think that there's like there's some cliche things that movies of this genre did. And I don't hate them because they are nostalgic, and it is something that I think hits on a moment in life that at least I can relate to. 
Um, so I kind of adore that about it and don't hold it against it. But there is some things about that time period. You just, I already forget, you gave it a one. Yes, I gave it a one. A one. That's still a pretty yeah. good score. Mike, what would you give this from an eye-rolling perspective? I'll, I'll go with the one. Uh, there's definitely nostalgia up to it. Um, and I, it hits, yes, there's cliches, but it hits those cliches. And it's kind of, with this film, that's what you want. It is. I mean, that's, you know, you don't want it to go against the norm. You want it to actually to do what it did, which is to, to make him the hero, and it works out. And I was worried, because I've not seen this film for a long time. I'm going to give it a two, because there's a few moments where I'm like, what are the odds of that being the timing of that to happen, to this to happen? But still, it's like, it's weird. I give it a two, but with like a like high five, I forgive it. You know what I mean? <laughs> if that makes any sense. It's like, oh, that was... But that makes sense. So, so to follow in uh, uh, Mike's footsteps, pretty much, um, it was not filmed in Georgia no, remotely. No rem- uh, mission factory there. And Angus, the title character, has not done anything else. I was about to ask because I looked at the IMBD for this beforehand, and I did not see any of the other works listed for for our title character. But I will say, I feel like. Um, he played awkward big guy very well. Yeah, no, I, he it's, it's a nice performance. Uh, he plays really well off of Dorsey Scott, which is really key because yeah. we need those connection moments. Um, and then he and his sidekick also do rather well. And James Vanderbeek is can be a real jerk. He is, and I, I like he's still weirdly yeah. I, I actually like the way he goes that far in that direction in this film. And I will say, so here's the, th- here's the reason why I fell in love with this movie so much. When I was younger, when I first <laughs> discovered it in 1995, I don't remember how I <laughs> discovered it, is because, like, Angus is the guy who could kick the, he- the, like, whatever, the cliche hero guy's ass at any point in the film. Like, every other movie I've ever seen in this context, that's not the score, right? Like, it was, oh, this guy owns everything about me. I can't do anything about it. But Angus broke his nose, like, I think three times in the opening credits, which to me is a pretty interesting way to present the archetypes of, like, the guy whose nose I've broken three times still owns me. I don't know. That's pretty intriguing to me. Are there any comments from the only other two people that are in the room? (laughs) Well, there's only one other person in the room at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, I really like that about it. Um, I like the fact that they had a long-standing kind of history with one another and that it kind of switched roles midway through. And he was then, then became the, oh, the other, we have, we have another person back in the room. I feel like the other two people should say something. Yeah, I know. Well, not to revert too far from this <laughs> conversation, but on the boredom factor, I have to give it a one because his grandfather did die during one of his monologues. Spoiler alert. I, I, yeah, Spoiler I, alert. I, yeah, I just I kind of feel like that's, that's appropriate when he noticed that that had happened. <laughs> we have to clarify that he, he came in at the point where the grandpa died. Yeah, so true. His, that was, that was it is true. Scene. His range is... True. is very limited on the background of the film. No, it is. It is be like walking in and be like, "Oh my gosh, Darth Vader is that guy's dad? <laughs> what?" I did. I didn't have to. Like, I was freelancing for Santa. I had to deliver some presents. I just got. <laughs> yeah. I know. We, you were you were helping out those who Santa couldn't get to. Um, <laughs> I so this was before Dawson's Creek, right? Uh, yeah. Does it not show in James Vanderbeek's tiny face? 
Yeah, well, I mean, his face was tiny in season one of Dawson's Creek, too. But it was, it's it was a different character type. Like, he is the very close. character in Dawson's Creek, which is, you know, he's this kind of outcast, I mean, person that, I mean, you could argue that it's not similar because Joey, played by Katie Holmes, was totally in love with this character and he just didn't see her at all and was totally in love with, like, Jen Lindley, played by Michelle Williams, who was the new girl that moved in across the street. But he was, like, this outcast, like, obsessed with, like, film school Spielberg posters on all of his walls Mm. and didn't really have anything going on for himself. And so I find kind of similarities between his role as Dawson and, like, Angus, which I kind of love just from, like, the bigger picture of all of it. It's as um, if that's part of the reason why I was desperate for you to see this film for 39 episodes <laughs> of The Atlas. Yeah, are you a big Dawson's Creek fan, Mike? I actually was a big Dawson's Creek fan, yeah. Uh, that was a surprise to me. Please continue. As I am a Gilmore Girls fan. So, so it's getting I, weirder? I'm a renaissance <laughs> man. I really am. But... Um, the, the thing I really loved was the, that opening scene with the band yeah. integrating the, the, the modern music with the band playing. I thought that was a great opening scene. No, and I agree, and that's part of the reason why that music, like, I don't know, every time that comes on, I'm like, ah. Eh. Now, the nerd in me, old school watching this movie, there are camera shadows on the backs of the people in the band from a production standpoint, which I was like, Bleh. but I still forgive the film. And also, again, I will argue, when is, when is the last time the underdog guy in a movie, was good at sports. Ever in the history of watching movies you like. Never. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love this movie. You know? Sports. Yeah, sports. <laughs> what are those? Now, all right, so I guess this moment of truth. We don't really need to give a synopsis now. Watch it. An underdog has his moment, everybody. And his name is Angus, which is a type of cow. Uh, from an Atlas review perspective, what, uh, what, uh, what score does this get? Emma Loggins. I'm going to give it an Atla. Yeah. Four out of five. Four to five. Four to five. Four to five, I feel like it's pretty good. And you, Mike? I'm going to do it in the tradition of Emma and give you a 3.5. <laughs> All right. All right. That's a... Fair, fair. I like it. Atla. It's, it's impossible to pronounce. <laughs> never saw that coming. But it's always fun to try to make him say it. Yeah. <laughs> it never gets lost. That's why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are horrible people. Well, uh, based on my own thing, you know, I will also give it an Atla. It still holds, like, here's what's funny. If, like, you're talking about uh, when you give the disclaimers for the Oscar films, right? And, like, oh, well, this is not Best Picture or whatever, but for some reason in the moment, it gave me a full Atlas. Yeah, it was entertaining in the moment. I'll give it a full Atlas for how it struck me in the moment, but watching it now, I'll give it an Atla. Because there are some really, there are some cliches, there are some eye rollings. It's like, ooh, that's too coincidental. Also, I should bring up the fact that, like, I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan. And the first time I saw this film, when Grandpa dies, they play uh, a River song, which is a Peter Gabriel song. And I was like, oh, MG, you guys, there's totally a Peter Gabriel song in this movie, which helped it. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll downgrade it a point just based on the fact that watching it now, there are absolutely some cliche moments, but uh, still one that. Uh, Watching it tonight, I was, I was like, I was like, you know what? I still stand behind this movie. I was afraid that we'd all be in here this, in this together, and they'd be like, I've made a horrible mistake. This is a shitty movie, and I owe everybody an apology. But I stand by it. I think it's good. And now I'm going to put a lot of pressure on my wife uh, for her review of the film, who has been in the room the whole time. 
I wasn't even I wasn't even watching it. I have no right to review it. I wasn't in the room for half the movie. <laughs> That's you my better, review. You better give it an Atlas score. How can I give it an Atlas score if I haven't seen the whole oh, thing? Oh, don't make this weird for me. I haven't seen the whole thing. Just give it a, from A to Atlas. What do you give it? Okay, then I give it an Atla. Because that's fun to say. <laughs> she gave it a four. She gave it a four. And everybody leaves her happy. All right, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Are there any parting words we want to give to Angus, the movie, 1995, just that I think Emma pronounced everything correctly this time. So it's just, I just so. I'm checking the facts, yes. but I believe that Emma actually, for probably the first time in the history of Alice, is actually correct on the whole thing. So, <laughs> James Vanderbeek, also James Vanderbeek. <laughs> hey, I never did that. I never did that. I always got his name right. <laughs> it's true. She totally did. I just. That's my thing. Somebody says the name right, and then I say it wronger. All right, so there you go. Official <laughs> Angus review. Uh, the Atlas, the finale episode of 2016. Yay! Woohoo! Yay! Hooray! <laughs> it's a pumped-up room, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> pumped-up room. So there you have it. I mean, all in all, uh, Angus, despite being talked up forever, still got pretty big reviews from everybody involved. So yeah, there you go. I liked it, uh, and it's available the way we watched it because I don't own it. Uh, was on uh, uh, the Xfinity platform, was able to just get it on demand. So feel free to give Angus a rent, and uh, it. There you go. It, it's definitely um, worth checking out, and it's very nineties. It's it's always fun to go back and watch movies that are they just feel like they really kind of embrace the decade that they were made in, and that one definitely did. Like everything about it is so nineties. And I loved it. It really is. And come to find out that the little girl who's in Jurassic Park, this again, thanks to some crack yes. research by Mike, has gone on to be like a world-renowned portrait artist. Uh, and the guy who actually played Angus has actually gone on to have a pretty solid acting career. Who knew? And I would never recognize him today without knowing on IMDb that he was also an Angus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you look like, I mean, I guess it, it mostly looks like it. We're talking about Charlie Talbert, once an Angus in 1995, who is a year younger than me. Uh, yeah, but he's actually he's actually done a lot of stuff. And what's funny, he's been in things I've seen and did not ever stop and be like, oh my gosh, that's Angus. Just missed it completely. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, I A lot of this. He was in The Big Short. Yeah. Last year. Um, uh, Hap and Leonard Retreat. Yeah, yeah, he's done... Uh, He's done quite a bit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So there you go. You know, Angus, it lives on in all of our hearts. And I can only hope that, like, somebody involved in Angus will hear this and know how much that film was appreciated for that night <laughs> here in Atlanta, Georgia. We should uh, we should totally, like, tweet this at him when we go live with this episode. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I totally think we should. <laughs> we absolutely should. It's a big deal, Angus. Anyways... Uh, so there you go. Angus has now gotten more airtime, uh, I think, on this entire podcast collectively than The Walking yep. Dead. Probably, it'd be an interesting, I, it'd be an interesting measurement. It would be. Yeah. It'd be really close. It'd be really close <laughs> if it's not more. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. But so we, I guess, we can finally close that chapter. But uh, Angus lives on in all of our hearts. 
So next week, we've got some cool stuff coming up um, because we didn't have an interview this week. It is the holidays. Things are things are a little slow. People keep dying. Keep, people keep dying. <laughs> um, oh, sad but true. Um, but tease us for next week. We're going to be doing... Actually, tonight, I'm going to be reviewing a couple of Oscar films. I'm not sure which ones yet. I'm Fingers are crossed that the group will vote on Jackie because I still need to see that. Um, and I also, there's several that I really, really need to see. Um, but I personally have Moonlight and Captain Fantastic. So I'm going to be checking those out. And then next week, um, we're probably going to record our next podcast before I see this one. Um, but I'm seeing Silence. Mm. And so that'll probably, that won't be on next week's, but it'll be on the the following weeks. So we'll have some cool stuff coming up here. And I'm also going to be doing a press day with This Is Us, which is doing a special event here in Atlanta. Um, in January, so we'll have a cool interview coming from that series as well. I've heard that show is fantastic. I need to watch it. Um, I know Milo uh, Ventimiglia is in it, who, of course, I, we all love from the Gilmore Girl days and from his work on <laughs> on Heroes and of various other shows that you know, Heroes is still a sore subject for me. That's why I say it like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I was like, what happened there? That got weird. <laughs> all right. Like, Season one, fantastic. Um, but anyways, um, he's in This Is Us now, and it's supposed to be a really incredible show on NBC. So if you haven't checked it out, I believe it's um, all available on Comcast On Demand. So be a nice little show to check out over the holidays. Uh, but that's all the, the fun stuff that we have coming up right now. I do have a potential set visit coming up, too. So I'm not going to say anything and jinx that before that one plays out. But it should be fun. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got, though. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I have uh, too. <laughs> I, uh, just just awaiting uh, twenty seventeen. Wait, because this is officially. Yeah, now it's absolutely it's a final uh, atlas of twenty sixteen. It is. So, it uh, is. Like I almost feel like we should even end this on an up. We should just end this with a moment of silence for what has been a pretty ridiculous year, all told. Yep. Yeah. Pretty pretty bad year. Yeah. Let's do that. We'll close out and we'll leave you with a moment of silence. Um, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all your, your love and support in 2016. Uh, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. Uh, my name is Jacob Mickelson, and uh, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs>